so much. Oh my goodness. <laughs> wow. I'm going to need everyone to not look at me for about 15 minutes while I recover emotionally from that welcome. <sighs> North Central, it is so good to be with you. As Professor Burrell mentioned, my name is Shana Fowler. I'm the founder and executive director of a humanitarian organization called Kana. We are on a mission to ensure that every girl has the products that she needs to manage menstruation and stay in school. And as she said, Kana began during my time as a student here. And I sincerely believe that it wouldn't be where it is today without this place and these people. So thank you, Burrell and Sobi and Stuart and Tibbetts, everyone involved in COBAT for your diligence and your sacrifice. Without you and your guidance, this work would not be possible. So I graduated from North Central in 2018 with a degree in entrepreneurship and immediately moved to Los Angeles, California. <laughs> in full transparency, it was an attempt to make up for all the vitamin D that I'd been lacking while living here. And I recognize that when you are still actively risking frostbite 10 months out of the year, Los Angeles can sound like the promised land. So let me peel back the curtain a little bit into my day-to-day -day reality. My roommate and I, who is a fellow North Central alum, live in an apartment smaller than my Miller Hall dorm room. And on top of that, we share a 2003 Honda Odyssey. Can anyone tell me what kind of vehicle that is? If you know, anyone, you can shout it out. Yeah, it's a minivan. Can we show, actually, the minivan? I just want you to see it in all of its glory. That is her. What you can't see is the rusty bumper on the back. And unlike most minivans, my minivan doesn't have air conditioning. So I have chosen as the driver of a 16-year-old second-hand minivan to move to a place notorious for bumper-to-bumper -bumper traffic and ungodly desert-like heat. Most days, I show up to the function looking a lot like this. <sighs> I didn't know what I had in Minnesota winters until I was gone, so please pray for me not to have a heat stroke. This morning, I want to dive into a concept that I'm calling hereness. And hereness is the life-altering practice of being right here, right now. When I graduated, I realized that most of the people I knew, myself included, are high-functioning escapists. Now, escapism is the avoidance of unpleasant, boring, arduous, or scary aspects of life. You can always detect an escapist because we say things like, I can't wait to be done with this class. 
I can't wait to get out of the dorms into the apartment. I can't wait to get my degree and get a job. I can't wait to leave this job and get a better, newer job. I can't wait to get married. You hear that a lot here at North Central. God bless us. Can't wait to have babies. I can't wait to get to heaven. In my life, it was, I can't wait to just get my degree and move to California. I can't wait to quit my day job and focus on Kana full time. And then I would get there and I couldn't wait to be somewhere else. I was so focused on there that I could never just be fully here. And ultimately, escapism says that while God has put me here, I would rather be there. Which is a bold statement. And I realized that in my life, escapism was robbing me, not just of the present moment, but of joy and of peace and of contentment and of thanksgiving. So what's the alternative? Hearness. Hearness is the antidote for escapism. Hearness is the antidote for escapism. One of the most profound examples of hearness in the Bible is a powerful woman named Mary Magdalene. Or as I like to call her, Mary Magdalene, our patron saint of hearness. You have so many questions right now. Is Mary holding an egg? Is Shana Catholic? So we're going to jump into the first story. If you have your Bibles, would you turn with me to the book of Luke? If you don't have your Bibles, we'll pull it up here on the screen. Luke 10, 38 through 42. As Jesus and the disciples continued on their way to Jerusalem, they came to a certain village where a woman named Martha welcomed him into her home. Her sister, Mary, sat at the Lord's feet, listening to what he taught. Now, this is remarkable, because in Jesus' day, if you were sitting at the feet of a rabbi, you were likely training to become a rabbi yourself. Prior to Jesus, women did not sit at the feet of rabbis. In fact, there's a prominent Jewish text called the Talmud that says it is foolishness to teach Torah to your daughters. Now, thankfully, in 2019, we're way beyond that. Just ask John MacArthur. Let's keep going. Next slide. But Martha was distracted by the big dinner she was preparing. But Martha was distracted by the big dinner she was preparing. She came to Jesus and said, Lord, doesn't it seem unfair to you that my sister just sits here while I do all the work? Tell her to come and help me. But the Lord said to her, my dear Martha, you are worried and upset over all these details. There is only one thing worth being concerned about. Mary has discovered it, and it will not be taken away from her. Some of us are so distracted by what we're preparing to do, where we're preparing to go, what we're preparing to post, that we have quite forgotten how to be here. 
Mary learned how to be present. She discovered how to be present and found herself becoming increasingly aware of the presence of God. Which leads us to the first lesson I believe Hearness is trying to teach us today. Preparation is not our first priority. Presence is. Now hear me when I say that I believe the details are important. Kana would not work if we did not prepare, if we didn't pay attention to the details. But that's our second priority. Should you be diligent about stewarding your education well? Yes. Should you be diligent about stewarding the gifts and the passions that God has given you? Of course. But when we focus on preparation and we neglect presence, we rob ourselves and the people of those around us of the presence of God. Preparation is not our first priority. Presence is. Now, this isn't a new idea. This isn't rocket science. There's something inherent within you that already knows this, and that's why you showed up to chapel today. Well, that or you've already used too many skips for being November 1st. But either way, despite your motive, you've set aside 50 minutes to push pause on preparing and worrying about the details, and I truly believe God is going to honor that decision with an increased awareness of his presence. Preparation is not our first priority. Presence is. Story number two. John eleven thirty two through 35. When Mary reached the place where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet and said, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. When Jesus saw her weeping and the Jews who had come along with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in spirit and troubled. Where have you laid him? He asked. Come and see, Lord, they replied. Jesus wept. In this text, we find Mary in the aftershock of the death of her brother, Lazarus. The moment is so painful that she and everyone with her, including Jesus, begin to weep. Friends, hereness may look like weeping. Hereness may look like lamentation. And I would venture to say that we, as the Western church, aren't incredibly comfortable with either. My dad is a pastor, and my entire life I celebrated Easter, never observed Good Friday. And then, when I turned 20 years old and was a junior in college, my mom died. And I believed in the hope of the next life, but I was here in this life, in this hurt, desperate for someone to weep with me, searching for a God who knew suffering intimately, and instead, well-intentioned faith leaders in my life said things like, at least you know she's not in pain anymore. Or Shana, all things work together for the good of those who love him and are called according to his will. What were they really saying? You know how the story ends. 
You don't have to be here in this hurt and this pain. Just think about there instead. Focus on that. Unfortunately, that advice is neither biblical nor helpful. Mary was aching in the moment. Mary was weeping because that's what was happening right here, right now. And Jesus, who was five minutes away from raising Lazarus from the dead, decides to also be here in this moment. He doesn't say, Mary, don't worry about it. You don't have to cry right now. I'm about to heal him. He stops. His spirit is deeply moved and troubled, and he weeps too. He knows what's going to happen, and still he chooses to be here with Mary. Which brings us to our next point. Emotional integrity matters to Jesus. In its most basic form, integrity is when what's on the outside matches what's on the inside. And I think as Christians, sometimes the narrative we're perpetuating is, I'm a wreck on the inside, but I'm going to pull it together on the outside. If you are aching internally, if you are hurting, if you are in pain, it is entirely appropriate that your outside match that. God wouldn't have it any other way. Jesus wept with Mary. I don't think that there's any glory to be claimed when we are dishonest about our pain. It's not healing for other people when we undermine the validity of their hurt. If you want to be here, you have to be honest about what you're feeling. Emotional integrity matters to Jesus. Story number three. After the Sabbath, at dawn on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary, which is one of the more affectionate nicknames I've ever heard, went to look at the tomb. There was a violent earthquake for an angel of the Lord came down from heaven and going to the tomb, rolled back the stone and sat on it. His appearance was like lightning and his clothes were white as snow. The guards were so afraid of him that they shook and became like dead men. The angel said to the women, do not be afraid for I know that you are looking for Jesus who was crucified. He is not here. He is risen just as he said. Come and see the place where he lay. Then go quickly and tell his disciples he has risen from the dead and is going ahead of you into Galilee. There you will see him. Now I've told you. So the women hurried away from the tomb, afraid yet filled with joy, come on, and ran to tell his disciples. Suddenly, Jesus met them. If I'm reading this correctly, the resurrection story hinges on the hereness of Mary. In other words, thousands of years later, we know that Jesus lived, died, and resurrected because of Mary's deliberate decision to show up, to be present in her pain and in her mourning, which leads us to the last lesson that I believe hereness is trying to teach us today. Hereness precedes the miracle. Hereness precedes the miracle. Some days, 
The miracle is as radical as an empty tomb. Some days it is dead men and women rising. Some days the miracle is that we are wildly afraid yet filled with joy. In my life, for a very long time, the daily miracle was that I was able to get out of bed and try again, despite the weight of anxiety and of grief and of disappointment. Hearness precedes the miracle. When we choose not to escape the pain, when we choose hearness, we inevitably witness the miraculous. And the best part is that we don't just witness it, we often become it. Our lives point to the miracles that God is doing every single day because we choose to be here, to be present. So, hearness has a lot to teach us. Things like preparation is not our first priority presences. Things like emotional integrity matters to Jesus. And finally, hearness precedes the miracle. I'm going to close today with a benediction, which is also known as a blessing. And then we'll take a few, time, a few minutes at the end to just be here. Sometimes being here looks like finding our breath and calming down. Sometimes being here looks like praying. We're going to do all of that in just a second. But if you would, I want to invite you to stand, to put your hands out in front of you in a receiving posture. And I'm going to leave you with this blessing. In the era of escapism, may you have the strength to choose hereness. May you learn to push pause on preparing to be present with your God, present with your neighbor, and present with yourself, especially when it's hard. In observing the life of Mary Magdalene, may you too be led to the feet of the unruly rabbi, who unapologetically proclaims that you are welcome here. You belong here. Here is better because you are a part of it. May your practice of hereness become a breeding ground for the miraculous. And finally, may the grace and peace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you now and forevermore. Amen. The altars are open if you want to take a moment to just be here. We're going to have some of the team come up and lead us in some music to create a space. If you need to go, please consider this your invitation to take hereness with you. Otherwise, you can stay and just be here. Thank you so much, North Central, for having me. It was an absolute honor to be here.